you're here today, we're in the middle of a series called Everything is Spiritual. Everything is Spiritual. And over these last three weeks, before we've, we've went through Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and Genesis 3 to kind of launch us into each week. Um, if you have your orange bulletin, if you're a note taker, there's some notes in that orange bulletin that will uh, help you follow along with us today. Because the reason I say that is specifically today, because our topic today is called Spiritual Warfare. It's all about spiritual warfare today, and there's going to be some people that are going to want to take some notes. In fact, I'm going to give you some extra notes that aren't even in your bulletin just as we go today because the Bible has a lot to say about this topic, a lot to say about spiritual warfare. In fact, if you look at all the references that are in your notes, you'll see that it's going to be a chore to get through this in one message today. But I'm, but I'm hoping that as we kind of force our way through this today, that God will take some of these verses and do what only he and his word and his spirit can do. That he would connect the dots with what's actually happening or has happened in your life. That he can turn on some lights in some areas of your life and help you understand, and I'm going to go back to it, you ready? That everything is spiritual. Even though we're in this physical world, it's spiritual. So uh, the Bible talks a lot about the, the heavenly side of things, the spiritual side of things. Today we're going to try to get through as much of it as we can. I I'm excited about this message. This is a topic I don't get to cover a whole lot, and I think it's going to be hugely beneficial for everybody. Y'all with me? Y'all going to help me preach today? Good. Let me, let me start. In Ephesians 5, it says this, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. This is kind of the motivating factor today for some of what I'm going to share in the first half of the message, because I just want to expose it. You know what I mean? I just want to say, here's some of the, here's some of the truth uh, about the lies. And let's get some of that truth in our lives to help us live better. Amen? Isn't isn't that the reason you come to church? So that something that would happen here, something that God would speak to you, would help you to live better. That's why I come. Church is an opportunity for so many things. It's an opportunity to serve. It's an opportunity to listen to God's Spirit. I mean, I'm I'm amazed at people that, that tell me God spoke to them in the lobby while they were talking to somebody else. I'm kind of sad that it wasn't during my message, but we'll get over that. But, but that's what we pray every week, that whatever's going on in your life, the hundreds of people that filter through here on a weekend, God knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what you need to hear. This, this weekend, this hour right here, this is an opportunity. That's the way I look at it. It's an opportunity sometimes to respond to what God's calling you to do. Maybe he's called you to do something ten times, and today's the day. This is your opportunity. Some of you came in here, and you need some encouragement today. You need, like, God to say, I know what you're going through. I'm with you. I still love you. We're going to make it through this together. This is your opportunity today. So that's what we pray for today. So as we go through spiritual warfare today, as we jump off into this subject, I want you to understand it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn and to get a grasp on something that can really change the way we see our world because everything is spiritual. Listen to this. Ephesians 6 says, finally... Be strong. Everybody say, be strong. I think that's a a good setup for this last passage here in in Ephesians. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Now, let me just tell you real quick, that's, that's intentional that Paul's talking about. As believers, if we want to ignore the spiritual world and there's nothing that... This is just physical. It's just me. It's just my choices. It's just coincidence. It's just luck then you're ignoring the major factor of the spiritual world that's 
attached to your physical world. That's a part of your physical world. And, and Paul is telling them, you have to be intentional. You have to take your stand. And here's some of how we do that right here. And we're going to talk more about this toward the end of the message. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's out there scheming, I promise you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm sorry. It's not against them. It's, it's really not. That's one of the harder things to understand. It's not against flesh and blood. It's actually against spiritual things. Listen to what he says. It's against the rulers. It's against the authorities. It's against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In the, and he's saying that heavenly realms in, in the spiritual that we cannot see. That's where a real battle is happening. So how much attention, let me ask you this before I read this last sentence, how much attention do we give to the fight in the physical? Think about that. Probably 99% of it sometimes. But, but Paul is trying to tell them, don't get distracted by the physical. Remember, the bulk of the fight is in the spiritual. If we ignore that, then, then we're going to lose against those schemes, those rulers, those authorities. The, the things in the spiritual realm that are of the dark nature that want to disturb our lives, we have to focus on those also. And he continues and he says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, he doesn't say if, right? He says when, and you may be going, well, pastor, be positive. Let me tell you, I'm positive. When it happens, okay, it, it's going to happen. If you're on the planet for more than about 15 minutes, it's going to happen. This world's broke. And until Jesus comes back, it's not going to get fixed. The great thing about it is Jesus said, while you're in the world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Everybody say, take heart. But be encouraged because I have overcome the world. If you'll put your trust in me, then you can also. Amen? So, when the day of evil comes in our lives, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. That means after the fight's over, guess what? I'm still standing. After the fight's over, I'm still standing. I'm not laid out before him. I'm not crushed under the enemy's foot. It is in God that I'm going to put my faith because he has overcome the world so that I can overcome it also. Amen? Are y'all with me on this? This is setting us up for some really good news today. Now, I'm going to give you the first half. It's a little bit of the bad news, but it's the real, realistic news. All right? Here's the first one. We're going to go quick through these. The devil is real. Would you agree with that? And contrary to Looney Tunes, I don't think he probably has a couple of horns and a pointed tail and a pitchfork. Every now and then I pretend he does when I pray. And I'm like, I'm going to rip your horns off. I'm going to pull your tail off like that kind of stuff. Yeah. My, uh, my 23 and me come back all white. But every now and then I chant a little T.D. Jakes when I'm praying. I can tell you. I get after it. And, and the devil is real in our lives. How many have ever felt the effects of the enemy? Think about that. The devil is real in our lives, and I'm not just going off of what we're feeling. I want to go off of what Scripture says also. And Revelation 12 gives us a, a little bit of a picture. And I, let me just say this, too. We're going to get a little picture of, of, of Satan from heaven perspective. But can I tell you, let me give you some extra notes on this, too, that I've just written down. They're not in your notes, but... Lucifer was one of the, Lucifer, Satan's heaven name, was one of the three archangels of heaven. That's what the pieces we put together throughout scripture. He rebelled against God. 
he took a third of the angels with him that rebelled with him that he was in command over, and he was cast out of heaven because of his rebellion. And if you want to read some about that, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 are great uh, insights into that, Lucifer in heaven. And even Jesus in Luke 10, I believe it's about halfway through Luke 10, the chapter, he talks about witnessing Satan being thrown down from heaven. He said, I saw him cast down like, like lightning to the earth. Wouldn't that have been a cool picture? I would love to have seen that. But listen to what Revelation 12 says, starting in verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon is that symbolic uh, structure of, the, of Satan himself. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough. Everybody say, yep. Yeah, he wasn't strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. I just want you to understand the devil. There's never been a question whether the devil is real in our lives or not. Most of us have felt the effects of evil in our lives. Let me just tell you, sometimes it's that question that we throw to God. God, I've, I've done this, right? I've prayed. I prayed. I, I went to church, right? I, I cut these three things out of my life, right? How come bad things still happen? And that's when you should say, the devil. That's it. Like, I've ruled out coincidence. I've ruled out, I've ruled out luck. I've ruled out my choices. Lord, I know you're not doing this to me. You're like, what? The devil is doing it in our lives. Like, that is his goal in our life. It, he is real. And that's why we need, to, we need to understand it so we can wage war against him. All right? Listen to what Revelation 12 says. It's, it's our, skipping down to verse 17. Then the dragon was, in, was enraged at the woman, symbolic of the birth of man, and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who kept God's commands and hold fast, to their, hold fast their testimony about Jesus. I wanted to skip down and read that part to you because I want you to understand that is talking about us. That is talking about the people that have put their faith in Christ. That's who the devil has put his focus on. He doesn't care about people that aren't serving Christ. He just wants to keep them there. But for us, we're enemy number one. Did you know that? If, if you're even sitting here today and you are trying to decide whether to follow Christ or not, you're in with us. I'm sorry. You're enemy number one. Like Satan has put you on his list of who he wants to wage war against. I told you this isn't great news. We'll get to the great news in just a second. But first of all, I want you to understand this enemy that we talk about, and I really believe that most of the world, whether they call themselves believers or not, I believe they totally understand there's something in the spiritual world fighting me. I believe that. I've had too many prayer requests, people that say, well, I don't know if I really believe, but would you pray for me? Nah. Then I'll go share with you right now. Absolutely. Because I understand something that they may not understand. The devil is real. Amen? The second one is the devil is at war with us. Man, there's so many scriptures in this part that I wanted to share with you. But listen to 1 Peter. 1 Peter says it real good. Verse 8 and 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone. To devour. I love that. Looking for someone. I don't love it, but I, I love it that it's clear. Y'all get what I'm saying, right? I'm not on his side. But I, I'm glad that Peter doesn't pull punches with us. Listen, the devil, your enemy, 
He's not just sitting somewhere waiting for you to fall into his trap. He is crouching like a lion. Like, and, and he's talking to people that live amongst lions. He, they understand when you're out getting your sheep, you better be watching behind the big rock, right? Because there could be a lion back behind there that's going to jump out and grab you and drag you off to the other lions. That's what he's saying. And so he's, he's using this picture to say, listen, this is so real. It's just like lions, but it's in the spiritual side of your life. He's creeping around. He's looking for opportunities. It, and uh, when, when Jesus was tempted and he took, when uh, he went to the, the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness, to the desert, to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights when he fasted and he was preparing to launch his ministry, to start his ministry. The last day of that, it says that Satan came to him and he tempted Jesus. And when Jesus quoted God's word back to him to defeat him. It says that Satan left until the next opportunity. And that's what I think about when I, when I think about the lion, when he gives this analogy of a lion. Lions, they understand. You ever, you ever watch a little video or something and those people are on safari and there's like 10 people sitting there and there's like a lion right there, but he's waiting for some gazelle that may come in eight hours. I'm like, listen, you got eight Lunchables right there in the Jeep, you know, I mean. But he's not going to attack them. You know why? Because they have guns, and he's heard them go off before, and I don't know if he's bit a fender or whatever, like, but they understand. That's not the right opportunity. A weak little gazelle, an, an injured uh, ox or whatever, that, that's what I'm going to be shooting for. So he's waiting for the opportunities in our lives. And that last sentence, last sentence, resist him standing firm in your faith. Multiple times by multiple people, Paul and Peter so far said, listen, the enemy's going to be after you. And when he does, here's the best thing that you can do. Number one, everybody ought to write this one down, is just stand firm. All right? Be intentional. I'm not doing that. I'm fighting against him. Get a hold of his horns. You know what I'm talking about? A little like that, something like that. Whatever you need to do to say, you know what, I'm standing against this. I'm not falling for this. I understand that it affects my physical world, but everything is spiritual. Amen? Boy, it changes the way you pray over situations. People come to you with physical needs, with a physical situation. Man, I pray for those physical things. But I pray that, that the physical would be the fruit of winning in the spiritual. Amen? That that's what would come about. Number three is this. The devil has power. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, it's bad news. But here, here's what's great. I want you to understand this. It sounds like bad power, or it sounds like bad news. But believe it or not, the, the amount of power that Satan has often is determined by us and our choices. The amount of power that he has, the level of power, the, the level of strength, the grip. Listen, listen to what it says in Ephesians 4 about that. In your anger, this is just one of many illustrations. I picked this one because for some weird reason I can relate to this scripture. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down. While you are still angry, and here's why, and do not give the devil a foothold. Th that's what he's saying. Don't give him an opportunity. What's he looking for? He's like a lion out here crouching around. He's waiting for that opportunity. He's waiting for a, a rough week. He's waiting for the second rough week. He's waiting for the third rough week, and you and people in the house, everybody's freaking out, and everybody's mad, and you go off, and you make poor choices. You stay mad. Day number two, you're mad. You're thinking things that you don't ever think unless you're in that situation. Can I get an amen? 
that, you, that your other self would be kicking this one's tail if he was in his right mind, right? I've had those conversations. I don't know. I'm going to talk to God about that when I get there. Is those two different Scots? Because it feels like it sometimes. But what I have to do is to remember, I cannot give the devil a foothold. In fact, when Jenny and I were first married, I've, I've shared our first year. Y'all should know about 11 months of our first year already. Because our first year, I didn't think we were going to make it. I really didn't. I, I just thought, well, just chalk this one up to experience. No, and I didn't really. But it was rough. It was rough for us learning how to live together. And I think it is for a lot of people. And I can remember the first couple of months we were married, and we got in some huge fight, and we're hollering at each other, and it was I have no idea what it was about. But I remember she goes to bed. And I went and sat on the couch because I'm not going to bed because I'm mad at her. I'm not getting in the same bed as her. I'm punishing her. Whatever my thoughts were. And about an hour later, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm in the middle of whatever movie I'm watching now. And she comes in there and she's been crying. And she said, are you not coming to bed? I said, well, I didn't think you want me to come to bed. Well, we've been yelling at each other and all that. She goes, well, that doesn't matter. We're in this together. And I forget exactly what she said, but the point of it was is that we're not going to let the sun go down on our anger in our marriage. Like we, we need to, like we don't have to be perfect, but I want you to know, I'm sorry, we're going to get over this. If you can, why don't you come to bed and let's work through this tomorrow. Totally disarmed me. Totally made me feel bad, like I should have said that. But it's Okay. Together we're one, right? So I took full credit for it and went to bed. <laughs> All joking aside, you, you understand, like, it, it didn't matter. I realized that was true. I'd read this scripture before. I'd read it several times just in the last year and a half, two years of being a believer. And that was how to apply it to our lives. Oh, it's hard when I'm actually angry. But what, what do I want more? Do I want to hold on to this anger more? Or do I want to give Satan a foothold in the most precious relationship in my life? No. So I'm going to go to bed by faith. Right? I'm not, I didn't feel perfect. I wasn't like wanting some bunch of kisses before I went to bed. But I'm going to go to bed by faith. And I'm trying to be as honest with you as I can to help you to understand. Sometimes we don't feel like it. But we have to take the facts of God's word and apply them to our faith to see the fruit of them in our physical world. Amen? That's a spiritual principle, but it plays out in our physical world every single day. Marriage counseling, that was free, all right? Y'all ready? And the last one about the devil, and I'm going to change it to some good news, all right? Here, here it is, that actually the devil is subject to our God. Can I get an amen? I'm going to preach just a little bit right here. Y'all can help me out if you want. 1 John 4, 4 says this, and everybody, I don't care if you're a note taker or not, you need to write this verse down because you're going to want to quote it from now on, all right? You, dear children, are from God. Could I get an amen? amen? And you have overcome them. How about an amen? Because, here's the reason, because the one in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You understand? Like That's the differentiating factor. Differentiating factor. That's the difference. That's the difference. People say, well, I gave my life to Jesus. Then you win. That's it. You understand, like, you surrendering to Jesus and Jesus coming into your life, not just being the spirit out here influencing you, but a spirit in here influencing you is the difference between you winning and losing. Right there. You, you're children of God, and you overcome. 
Amen? The reason you overcome is not because you're so good looking. It's not because you're smart. It's not because you went through growth track. It's not because you serve every other week. It's not. It's not. It is because greater is he in you than he that is in the world. You ought to just say that about 20 times today. Greater is he in me than he that's in the world. Amen. 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 So, so how do we fight? Listen to this verse, and it, it, it speaks of this. If we're going to have to talk about spiritual warfare, we can't just learn just about the devil. What about the other half? It says this in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. That's what we've been talking about really all month. Though we live in the world, we don't understand it the way the world understands it. Everything is spiritual. The weapons, everybody say weapons. This is super important. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. That's that supernatural, that spiritual power to demolish strongholds. Things that would come against us on the spiritual side. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Think about that really quick. What are some of the weapons of the world sometimes we try to fight with on our own? I'm going to go take a walk, right? I'm, I'm going to start this physical activity in my life. But the Bible is trying to reassure us, listen, there's, there's some really practical things that are really good that we can do to, to calm down, to take another step in our faith, to not be a part of sin in our life. There's some good physical things. But can I tell you that the weapons that are going to help us win are supernatural, spiritual things in our life. That's what's going to help us win. And that's what this is telling us. And, and I also want to say that this also doesn't mean that there's not a devil behind every door. Does that make sense? I don't think everything, like you run out of gas, you go, oh, the, the devil of Texaco got us again. Like, no, nope. when your gas light comes on, go to the gas station. Like, sorry, babe, I didn't mean to let that out. I said, Some of you, it's funnier in my head. I don't know what that was. <laughs> but you understand, but there are, there are physical things that do happen in our life that we understand it's the attack of the enemy. It's the attack of the enemy in our life. So I want to give you the three primary weapons that Scripture talks about that we can win at spiritual warfare. Here, here we go. Here it is. Number one is this, is the name of Jesus. Woo, I'm glad I got a good amen on that one. The name, how many of you know names have power? Names have power in our life. I'll never forget um, a long time ago me preaching about Jacob in the Bible and talking about Jacob in, in Hebrew meant deceiver, meant deceiver. And I had a family come up to me that their son is named Jacob and he has some, um, let's just say he got in a lot of trouble at school and they go, did we misname our kid? And I said, no, no. In Hebrew, they named him on purpose, intentional. It's like prophetic over their lives. Uh, Jacob in English means Jacob. So there you go. There's spiritual truth from theology 101. But do you understand, like, there is power in name. Now, if I said another name, if I said cancer, we get any amens there. But we understand, the, if I say death, like the name of those things, we understand the extreme power of those. But I, And I want to tell you that our number one, the weapon that not like the human weapons, not weapons of this world that, that we wage war in the spiritual with is the name of Jesus. 
It's the name of Jesus. And people have asked me over the years, who, who do I even pray to? Have you ever thought about that? Like when you pray, like Jesus said, I have all authority. Does that mean I pray to Jesus or do I, how do, how do I live? Let me tell you, according to scripture, God is still on the throne. Amen. I can read all the way to the end of the Bible. God is on the throne. So I, I pray to God the Father in Jesus' name. That's the most powerful name. Let me just read it to you. How about that? Here we go. Here, here's, here's the way that can hone your name of Jesus abilities. Philippians 2 says this in verse 9. Therefore God exalted him. Yes, he did. To the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Can I just pause there for a minute? What's he talking about there? Why would he throw those in? How about every name in heaven and on earth and under the earth? You think maybe he's differentiating some, some spiritual factors here that everything, everywhere understands you're not talking about Jesus, right? A, a Hispanic friend down the corner, right? On your, by your house. You're talking about Jesus, the Son of God who gave his life, who overcame evil. Amen? That, that's the name. When you say that name and your life's committed to him, everything stops. Everything listens. Above, on earth, and below. And he goes on. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me tell you, if, if I could only teach one weapon today, it would be that one right there. It would be that name right there. The name of Jesus. Everybody, let's just practice it one time. You ready? You want to do something really goofy, churchy, spiritual, right? You ready? On the count of three, let's just say Jesus, all right? One, two, three. Jesus. I wonder what happened in this spiritual warfare. I, I feel like the devil was probably like Yoda and said, I felt a disturbance in the temple. Something was going on. We all said that. <laughs> I would pray. That when he hears me speak, when Satan hears me speak, or his, I don't think he pays me much attention, but when evil hears me speak, I pray that the difference between my prayer and anybody else's would be that I use the name of Jesus a lot. Lord, it's only in you that I have hope. Jesus, thank you so much for everything you've blessed me with. Thank you for the strength that you give me. And today, I'm going to pray for some people. I'm going to pray for some situations in my family. I'm going to pray for some circumstances that need to change. And I'm going to tell you that everything I'm going to pray is not in my power, but it's in the power of the name of Jesus. You just slow it down and remember, the number one weapon I have is the name above all names. Amen? The, the second one is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Hebrews 4 says, the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I will never forget when I was a youth pastor 15 years ago, preaching in front of our church way up on the north side, and I was pounding my Bible, preaching it. Lucky they had a pulpit that could handle some preaching, because I was preaching it that day. And I'll never forget this gentleman that came up to me after service and said, Scott, you should not pound the Word of God. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, that is a holy book. And I said, no, it's not. It's a record of holiness. But this isn't a holy book. That's what always cracks me up. Satanists, do you ever see, you know, you hear, they're burning Bibles. Okay, but you realize over in Revelation that it said that heaven and earth shall pass away. But God's word will remain forever. 
You understand that God's word is not physical. God's word is spiritual. God's word, according to Hebrews 4, is not on this paper. This is a recording of it, right? And I kind of like the little see-through paper and all that. It's kind of really cool. But God's word is living and active and actually does things spiritual in my physical world. You understand that? Like Sometimes we, me included, get caught up like, Oh, this is it. I need to protect it. It's great. My first Bible is still in my office, and it has been shredded many times because I had a $500 Jeep with no top or doors when I got saved. And that Bible got rained on. It got windblown. One time I got home, and my Bible was completely open like this, and almost every page had been bent over by the wind, and it looked like a professionally made fan. And I was like, what have I done? Well... I straightened them all out and cleaned off some of the mud and put some tape on the back. And guess what? I still use it. It's 20 years later, 25 years later. It's fine. And if it burns up or gets destroyed in the house fire, I'm not going to repent. I'm going to go buy another one or use my phone, which has 612 versions on it. Amen? But God's Word, what little bit I can say, a little bit I maybe I can misquote, a little bit I can say, hey, Lord, doesn't it say this, that greater are you in me than he that's in the world, something like that over in one of those John books? Right? Whatever God's word you can speak, whatever God's word you know, can I just tell you something? It's one of your greatest weapons against the enemy. Because God said it. God said it. God told him, hey, I want you to write this down. This is important. This is a spiritual truth. This is going to help people live. It's going to change their life. Why? Because when God says it, it's living and it's active. And it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Isn't that funny how he would pick, and I'm fixing to read that, the rest of that armor of God to you, but isn't it funny how he would pick a sword, which is the only offensive weapon, like offense, offensive weapon in the armor of God. Don't be jacking with me, Satan. I'll just get out my Bible and flat start reading it. Because God's Word is living and active. In fact, I'm going to read all the scriptures about how he kicked your tail in the beginning, and I'll read the ones in Revelation, how he's going to kick your tail in the end. Can y'all see my uh, dispensation with the enemy, how we have this little thing going on? Yeah. Because it's the only hope I have. But it's 100% the hope I have. That, that weapon is for me to use against him, against my enemy. Amen? Isn't it funny? If somebody gives you a sword and goes, here, let's go into battle and fight, we wouldn't know that you'd be pulling up Zelda. Okay, how did Zelda use this back when I was in junior high? You'd be pulling up what? The Three Musketeers? How did they do it? Do I need this? You know, like that kind of You'd be trying to figure out all that stuff. Like, how do I use my sword? It's the same way with God's Word. You mean to tell you how you figure it out? Practice, 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 practice. And what happens is you start getting used to saying God's Word. You start getting used to reading God's Word. You start getting used to quoting it. Start liking some verses. You start seeing some fruit in your life about some verses. And you start getting good at wielding that spiritual sword. Amen? God's word is powerful. Ephesians that we read earlier says this. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The breath, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the, of the evil one. Everybody, how many of those did he say 70%? Throw that out real quick. The only person I can partner with 
to completely win against the enemy is God. There's nothing in the physical world that I can do, gain, control that helps me win a spiritual battle except God. If we will suit up correctly, if we will learn the spiritual, he said he'll extinguish all of the enemy's arrows. Love that. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I just want to encourage you to use it. Quote it. Read it. Pray it. Learn it. Paraphrase it. Misquote it. Get in there and let God's word. Isn't that funny? Somebody breaks into your house and you go, I don't really know how to use this gun, but my dad gave me a gun. And you go, boo, 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 and fire it around the corner at the bad guy. Guess what? The bad guy's leaving. He didn't know that you didn't know how to shoot that. He just, somebody was just shooting at him. And I often use that analogy in my mind, like, I'm not like Jesus. I can't pull up every scripture and say it perfectly. And often, I don't have a great memory, so often I will misquote things. I've had y'all help me out on that. No, it wasn't First John, it's Third John. I'm like, great. Pray that God will forgive me. Let's move on. <laughs> Nothing personal. I just wish I had your memory. But I often misquote God's word, and I often think about it, well, at least I'm firing it at him. You know what I'm saying? At least I'm just getting out there and firing and I'll get better at firing it at him. I'll get better at speaking God's word. And the last one is this. Probably the most powerful. The power of the cross. We could do an entire series over that statement right there. The power of the cross. Why? Why does it have so much power? Well, let me just say, the cross itself had zero power. The cross itself was invented by people who wanted to kill people, not, not for a good cause. But there's something about that one cross and what that symbolizes in our life. What happened on that cross? Him giving his life for us, that perfect life, him shedding his blood, him taking the stripes on his back, and him surrendering his soul. On that cross, it changed some things. Do you know that? It changed some things in the spiritual realm that's supposed to affect our physical realm. Listen to this in Revelation 1. It says this. I am he who lives. I love it. So he's, let me just set Revelation up. Revelation, the book of Revelation is a series of revelations that John had when Jesus and angels came to him and told him spiritual things. On the first one, Jesus comes to John. And he goes, in case you're wondering who I am, I'm he that lives. John knew exactly who that was. I want you to understand, like, I'm not in a grave somewhere. And that had deep purpose for what he said next. And was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. It's not going to happen again. Gave his life once, good for all. And I have the keys to Hades and death. Like, I, I have the keys to the last battle that we're going to fight, right? The death, I, I've overcome, so you don't even have to be afraid of that. To hell... I've actually overcome hell. So you don't have to be afraid of that. Let's go through this together. And you actually don't have to be afraid of anything because I've overcome it all. And then the last verse, Revelation 12. It's too good. And they, he's talking about the followers. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. See, the very thing that he was just talking about that he had overcome. I have the keys to death and hell, so you don't have to be afraid. Whatever physical battle you're fighting, you don't have to be afraid. I'm going to do it with you. I've got the keys. 
And it says, what was the effect? What was the effect in Revelation 12 that we just read? The effect was that his followers, everybody just turn and touch your neighbor real quick. Come on. Not a weird touch. Don't touch him on the face. His followers overcame also. You get that? Y'all with me? His followers overcame also. And how did they overcome? By the blood of Jesus from that cross and the word of their testimony. You know what? People often, well, like every now and then I'll throw out some, one of my wild stories from the past and there'll be a couple of people that come up and go, hey, I was just like that. But there's always some that come up and go, I wish I had your testimony. And I want to go, and, and I often do go, listen, you do have my testimony, right? You gave your life to Jesus. That's my testimony. That's it. You were just not quite as dumb as I was. That's it. Your testimony is just, have you given your life to Christ? That's the hope. It's, it's not in the dumb stories. Those just pull analogies and, and connect the dots sometimes to what I'm trying to say. But the way we overcome is by what Jesus did on that cross and by the word of our testimony that I now follow him. That's all the testimony that I need. I follow Jesus. Satan shows up and wants to fight. Before you start swinging, Slag, let me tell you something. I follow Jesus. I'm going to start quoting God's word. We're well, not very good at it. It's all right. I can, I've learned I can misquote and kick your tail. And I'm going to start talking about the cross. And I'm going to start praying for the blood of Jesus on everything from my dog to my house to my kidneys and everything in between. You understand? And I'm going to learn how to fight this. Because Jesus said if I'll partner with him, he is greater in me than anything in this world. You understand, there is a battle, and it's real, and we can overcome it. I cannot go through a series about everything is spiritual without letting us understand, without helping us to understand, reminding us that there's a battle going on that we can't see. When Elijah he came out, and there's thousands of bad guys fixing to jump on Elijah and kill him, and Elijah's servant said, oh my goodness, we're dead. We're dead. And he goes, no, God's with us. And he goes, well, I don't see anything. How many have ever been there? And you got the chaplain at the hospital, and he's going, you're fine. We're praying for you. And you're just going to go, I want to beat that chaplain up. You need to be quiet. Get out of here. I don't understand anything you're talking about. Did you hear what he just told me? That's just like Elijah. And Elijah prayed, and he said, God, let my servant see what's in the spiritual. And it said on all the hills surrounding, he saw for just a moment, just a couple of seconds, he saw the angels sitting on horses and on chariots with fiery swords ready to come down and fight the spiritual battle that would affect the physical world. And it was all about them trusting and believing that God was with them. Understanding that everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Lord, we're so thankful today for your word. We're so thankful today for the cross. More than anything, Lord, we're thankful for your name. Jesus, we're so thankful that greater are you and us in my life, in my family, in my diagnosis, in my healing, in my recovery, in my steps of faith, in my life, than he that is in this world. 
So I pray for everyone in this room today, Lord, that from this day forward, we would fight like we understand there's spiritual warfare going on. That we would fight, that we would stand firm in our faith. That we would learn your word. We'd learn to quote it and pray it and talk about it. We would help us to understand that this physical world is just one small piece of the spiritual. That everything is spiritual. And with you, with our faith in you, Lord, we can overcome. We can overcome. I pray for everyone here today, Lord, that needs encouragement. remind them while we're in this world we're going to have trouble but to take heart to be encouraged because when they follow you following the one that's overcome this world may you breathe encouragement into them breathe life into them show them that you love them that you care for them that you'll never leave them that you're completely faithful somebody in this room today that does not know you, I pray that today, today would be the day they would open up their heart and their life and they would let you come in. They would surrender it all to you. That you would forgive them of their sin, their past, their mistakes as you have us all. And their testimony walking out of this room would be the same as so many of us in this room. That they came to a place where they decided to follow Jesus the rest of their life. If that's you today with nobody looking around, eyes are closed, heads are bowed, will you just let me know I'm making that decision today. Just give me a little quick wave today. I'm making that decision. You don't have to say anything. Awesome. Proud of you. Put your hands right back down like that. Anybody else? I'm making that decision. Jesus is who I'm following. Jesus is who I'm partnering with. today, that you would help us to follow you throughout this day. And for these that raise their hand, Lord, that you would show them how real their salvation is today. That this enemy that has been fighting against them is now defeated in Jesus' name, in the word of God, and by the cross. They can have victory in this world and the world to come. Lord, I pray that in the next few minutes you would be honored by our worship that you be blessed by our hearts as we lift them up to you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's worship before we leave here today.